0: welcome to the how to be awesome at your job podcast the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work enjoy more career fun wins meaning and money with your host pete makaitis
1: hello and thanks for joining us here for episode 596 with chrissy civic if you've ever been told to Be proactive and you've thought, well, how the heck do I do that? Am I supposed to read your mind? (laughs) I've been there. Well, Chrissy breaks it down on exactly how that's done and the huge advantages associated with doing so. So you'll learn, one, how to become 5,000% more effective at your job. Stephen Covey's words, not mine. How to keep the unexpected from blindsiding you. And the one question that leads to astounding career growth. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP596 to access that there. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I encourage you to check out some of our cool resources such as the Gold Nugget email list, which gives the summarized wisdom from Chrissy. In an email you can read in about three minutes, um, right on the day the episode releases, as well as access to the vault of all five hundred and ninety-six gold nuggets summaries from every guest ever. So you can access that. It's called the gold nuggets at awesomeatyourjob.com. Now here's Chrissy's story. Chrissy Civic believes that work can be a nourishing, enriching life experience. And she loves helping professionals discover exactly what that means for them and how to achieve it. Her popular website, eatyourcareer.com is devoted to this mission. As an award-winning writer, certified career coach, and experienced corporate trainer, Chrissy brings a unique perspective to the world of professional development. She's a proud author of The Proactive Professional and The Invisibility Cure, both available at Amazon. Big thanks to Chrissy for sharing her wisdom with us, and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out Now, here's Chrissy. Chrissy, thanks for joining us here on the How To Be Awesome At Your Job podcast.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me, Pete. It's great to be here.
1: Well, I'm excited to dig in, and I'm also excited that you share my fondness for true crime documentaries.
2: (laughs) Yes, I'm glad to hear that you also have this morbid interest.
1: Yeah. And I I don't know. I think some of my favorite podcasts are um, in the true crime realm, but they're not about murder because that feels a little weird for me. But I've still, I think my wife and I've watched like three JonBenet documentaries. Have you seen The Jinx?
2: I haven't, but I've actually listened to a podcast about every single episode. Oh, wow. That's typically... How I prefer to to take in my true crime, so I just listen to podcasts. All of, it really is very disturbing. My family is incredibly worried about me, but I think what I'm finding out is that when I disclose this information, so many people say me too, because we have this kind of morbid curiosity. I, I think it's really I I tell myself it's about problem solving, that I love a good mystery, and I'm a little bit of an armchair detective, and I. Figure, you know, it's a problem solving exercise. That's what it's all about.
1: Well, we'll get yeah, the mystery is is intriguing. So so you listen to a podcast about every episode of the documentary The Jinx, but you haven't listened to the Jinx <laughs> or watched the Jinx.
2: I did. True crime obsessed, my friends, <laughs> because we're all obsessed. <laughs>
1: Well, I think that was one of the most compelling ones. I can't give away the spoiler, but like, imagine if you were a documentarian trying to cover a crime, this is like a unicorn dream come true for you. Right. Like, wow.
2: There's nothing better.
1: We'll just leave it at that.
2: I understand the Tiger King is the exact same though.
1: You know, I haven't actually watched it.
2: I haven't either, but I've listened to a lot about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's good. Well, well, one of the mysteries that you've been working to solve is in the realm of being proactive. Uh, and you've got a, a great book title. I'm, I'm digging it. The Proactive Professional, How to Stop Playing Catch-Up and Start Getting Ahead at Work and Life. That's an appealing promise. So uh, may, maybe to get terms clear, uh, how do you define a proactive and, and can you make that real for us in terms of here's what proactive looks like versus reactive?
2: Yes. So i I define being proactive as doing the right things today to set yourself up for success tomorrow. So there are so many great examples, and I'm just going to share the one that comes top of mind because I just heard from this individual recently. So this gentleman reached out to me through LinkedIn, and he shared with me that he read the book last year and he was happily employed. He was thinking he was going to stay at his company for next few years, but the book inspired him to be proactive about his career management. And so he did things over the past few months. He updated his resume. He got on LinkedIn and he was nurturing his network. He got a professional certification. He did all of these things for really just the purpose of being proactive, just in case sort of thing. And then recently 2020 hit and he was laid off in May. So he reached out to me and the reason that he was contacting me, he said, Chrissy, I'm not freaking out. Instead, I feel prepared for this. I did all of these things, not knowing what the future held, but Now I'm ready to launch this job search where I'm looking at my colleagues, they've been laid off, and now they're scrambling, trying to update their resume and do all of these things that I've been doing, because I've been ahead of the game. So that's just a perfect, beautiful example of someone being proactive in their career.
1: Yeah, and so that is... A great picture right there in terms of, hey, if anyone's feeling the stress and and wishes that they didn't, uh being proactive for one person there got them out of that. So I'm intrigued. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the the why on, on a global scale. I, I couldn't help myself when we're talking about being proactive. I, I think of Stephen Covey and the seven habits with habit one, being be proactive, because I, I had to grab the number. And I don't actually know what his underlying research base is, so maybe you can give us one. <laughs> but I trust that he has one, or, or and this is not hyperbole. But he says, <clears throat> the difference between people uh, who exercise initiative and those who don't is literally the difference between night and day. I'm not talking about a 25 to 50 percent difference in effectiveness. I'm talking about a 5,000 plus percent difference particularly if they are smart, aware, and sensitive to others. So 5,000%, 50X. Does that sound about right to you? Is that squaring with your research and experience? Unpack that for us.
2: 1,000%. I couldn't agree more. I believe that this is the skill set that really differentiates the average professional from the exceptional one. And I see it over and over again. I have researched this... For years, I literally started to read about what it means to be proactive 15 years ago. I was working as an executive assistant and the executive I supported at the time He used to say, be proactive, I mean, multiple times a day. He would say it so frequently that I remember at one point, I was like, oh, is he losing his mind? (laughs) Is is he, you know, we've talked about this a million times, but obviously he was telling me he needed me to improve in that area. So I started this research process and I found that, you know, Stephen Covey has some great material on this topic, but... Other than that, it is quite limited, what's out there. What we find typically, and what disappointed me in the process was that business experts and leadership experts and trainers and coaches, everyone was saying, be proactive, it's especially important in the workplace, it's necessary for success, but then no one was following it up to say, how you actually do that and put it in practical terms. And that's what I need. When I'm learning, I need practical, step-by-step, actionable advice. And that's really what I set out looking for. And I found that I needed to talk to people. And I needed to talk to people who were ahead of the game. They seemed to be always two steps ahead of people. And I needed to ask them, how do you do it? and break that down.
1: Yeah, well, well, that's a nice way to to phrase that. You know, always two steps ahead of the game. And indeed, to stop playing catch-up, which is not fun, sort of an exhausting mental place to be day after day, so yeah, being 50 times as effective and not being stressed and exhausted and feeling behind like you're catching up sounds like a real big why to deliver on. And I'm glad we're going to dig into the how there, because you're right. I think be proactive. I think it's also sort of like be strategic. <laughs> uh, Stacy Boyle was a guest we had who, who said, I kept hearing that. I was like, uh, what does that mean? And how do I do it? So yeah, lay it on us. How does one be proactive? What are sort of the fundamental skills and steps?
2: Yes. Well, what I set out to do when I started this whole project was to create a framework. I'm a big believer in the step-by-step methodology. And so what I came up with was basically a six-part framework. And so as I'm digging into what it means to be proactive, I realized that we tend to think about it as being one single skill, but really what it is, it's this combination of six different skills. So it's a blend of, I think of them really as cognitive skills and behavioral skills. So it's about how you think, and it's also about how you act. So these six different skills all work together and I can go through them at a really high level pretty quickly, and then we can dig in as you'd like. From there,
1: No, I, I love it. I can't help but think of Liam Neeson right now. We're going to talk about a particular set of skills. And uh, it's not for uh, tracking down a kidnapped daughter and uh, hunting the criminals. But maybe it will prevent you from having to do that if you're if you proactively apply these these six things.
2: I like the way you're thinking. Uh,
1: okay. Well, yes, please lay it on us.
2: Okay. So we'll start with the first one. The first one is big picture understanding. So big picture understanding is really all about understanding your context, understanding the broad environment in which you're operating. You know, in the workplace, you need to think about at the highest level, things like the economy, things that are happening in your industry, things that are happening in your professional field, within your organization, within your team. You've got to keep an eye on all of that because that's going to help you to make smart decisions, For yourself in your career, and then also just on a day to day basis. So an example, from my own career, I started my career in banking, and that was in the late 90s, all the way up until 2008, which was just an incredibly turbulent time in the US economy. And it was really important for me to keep an eye on those things happening within our industry and in and the economy, and, and to watch that not only for my clients so I could be proactive on their behalf, but also for my own career. And thankfully, I was able to kind of look out and make some decisions for myself that allowed me to leave the bank where I was working about three years before, it became the largest bank failure in American history. Oh, right. And really fortunate, you know, to be able to take that kind of a proactive step where, unfortunately, so many of my former colleagues lost their livelihood in that process. It was a, a really disastrous situation, but that's the importance of the big picture understanding.
1: And I'm intrigued there. so. I don't know if you're like the big short, like you put all the pieces together in terms of this is what's going to go down or, or how'd you pull that off? You know, and did you know precisely, okay, we got a problem with these mortgage-backed securities and uh, the ratings on them are being, in, what did you know and how did you get to know it? <laughs> and, and how was that enough to say, uh oh, Let's let's look around elsewhere?
2: I think it was paying attention and I don't want to in any way imply that I had some sort of unique knowledge. I don't think it was that. I think it was just paying attention and really thinking through the implications of some of the things we were seeing. You know, we were seeing extremely low interest rates, we were seeing mortgage standards had been in- incredibly deteriorated, people were over leveraged. It was just this confluence of things happening that made me feel uncomfortable.
1: Gotcha, so you're like something bad may be happening soon-ish, is the extent of it.
2: Yeah, It's it's kind of instinct. And, and paying attention to that and just the broader environment. I think a lot of people probably did see, but they didn't take action soon enough. And they kind of were hoping for the best and they saw those same things happening. But one of the biggest problems with people being proactive is that it's risky, right? For me to leave a secure job where I was making a lot of money <laughs> and go somewhere else, is a risk, and with no guarantee of a successful outcome. And a lot of people don't want to take risk, they're willing to kind of wait it out until action is forced upon them. So that's the opposite of being proactive, though, being proactive, you're you're taking that intelligent risk, you're taking the information that you glean, and making some intelligent choices.
1: Okay, that's cool. So there we go. First, big picture understanding, and then what?
2: So then, second, we have situational awareness. So situational awareness is a term that we typically hear in things like self defense classes.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about FBI agents being like, like, count how many light bulbs there are in the room, that kind of thing.
2: Totally. Yes, exactly. It plays into our true crime stuff. But that's exactly what it is. It's being aware of your immediate surroundings. So big picture understanding is the high level stuff. And then situational awareness kind of narrows it down to say that you're paying close attention to the immediate things happening around you in the workplace. You're not going on autopilot, right? You can't be proactive if you're on autopilot. You've got to be engaged. You need to be not only physically present, but mentally present as well. And sometimes it's just really basic things like, you know, you, See that your boss is looking stressed out, and you know that he or she has a deadline coming up at 3 p.m. today. Probably not a great time to barge in and say, Hey, we got to talk about my career growth opportunities, right? That's just being aware of the situation and observing and listening with your eyes and your ears and your head and your heart. Being truly engaged in what you're doing is a requirement to be proactive.
1: Well, well, yes, that's great. And then I could see all kinds of proactive opportunities already beginning to open up there. It's like, hey, you know, can I can I take something off your plate? Are you going to need to work through lunch? You want me to grab you something? And it's like, I love this person.
2: Exactly.
1: It's just like, this is the kind of proactive team member that I want to promote. Or maybe I don't want to promote because I'll lose him. I want to give more money to keep her. <laughs> something good will happen.
2: Right. When I was an executive assistant, I remember. At first, when I was working, I, I was supporting this leader and he was notorious for at about two thirty, three o'clock in the afternoon, we used to call him Hurricane Irv because he just was a hurricane. and And I would always joke, oh, we can downgrade him to a tropical storm. But I finally put two and two together, situational awareness. I started to realize if he doesn't have some true break time away from his desk, away from just the mental strain of what he's doing in the middle of the day. By that two thirty, three 3 o'clock time, he's going to be a hurricane. So I started to be more proactive about, I'm going to block that time on your schedule. I'm going to walk into your office and make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And that was something that was additional that kind of takes me from being the average assistant to being that whatever it was, Stephen Covey said that 5,000% improved assistant.
1: Certainly. And so now we start the story again now. So then what unfolded? But did Irv say, Chrissy, you're just the best ever. And I need to reward you for how wonderful you make my life. Or How did that unfold?
2: You know, I did pretty well in that role. I can honestly tell you that my title actually adapted over the time that I was there. And besides being an executive assistant, I also became the director of client communications, because that was a key skill of mine that I was able to leverage in that role in kind of an unexpected way and definitely earned some monetary rewards as well. I think that the biggest reward, though, is that partnership that I was able to build with the, the person that I was supporting. It wasn't just about checking the boxes and doing the tasks. It was about truly, how am I helping you to be more valuable? How am I helping you to achieve your goals in unexpected ways, in ways that aren't necessarily defined in my job description?
1: Excellent. Okay. So we got the big picture understanding, the situational awareness, and then what?
2: And then the third one is future focus. So this is just about keeping one eye on what's coming up. So while you are paying attention in the moment to what's going on with your situational awareness, you're also thinking about what's coming next. So what's coming up tomorrow, next week, next month, even next quarter and next year, thinking about not only The events and the deadlines and those types of things that you need to be managing backwards to figure out what you need to do today to be successful with those things, but also thinking about your own future and what you want to be building for yourself. So, if you're keeping your eye on the future and thinking next year, I'd really like to get a promotion, well, great. So, that means that this year, There's things that you should be doing to set yourself up for that, perhaps getting some more professional development and perhaps speaking with your manager and finding out what those opportunities might look like and letting them know what your goals are. So you're constantly thinking about the future and working backwards to say, what do I need to do now so that that future becomes a reality?
1: All right. And how about the fourth skill?
2: So then the fourth one we go into is strategic foresight. So this is where I think the magic happens. (laughs) It's really what connects the dots. So we start with big picture understanding big high level, we then go to situational awareness, which is all about where we are, future focus is all about where we're going. And strategic foresight says, well, how do I get from here to there? it connects the dots, it it fills in all of those steps. So it's kind of where you're thinking about what the possibilities of the future might look like And saying, okay, well, what steps can I take to avoid problems, to leverage opportunities, overcome obstacles? It's basically filling in those gaps. Our former Secretary of State Colin Powell used to tell leaders to look for people who can see around corners. And that's what this is. This skill is seeing around corners and figuring out, okay, what's coming next And what can I do to prepare for that thing that's coming next?
1: Okay, and and the fifth skill?
2: The fifth skill is intentional action. So you've gone through all this, you can see what's coming next and, and you then take some action to go ahead and implement. You have more of a kind of a bias to action instead of waiting to have certainty about the future, instead of waiting for someone to direct you or instruct you You go ahead and you do what you know needs to be done. So that's where Stephen Covey talks about taking initiative. That's what this is, taking initiative, taking that intelligent risk, even if it is, you know, uncertain. But you go ahead and you do the right things to get yourself to that next step.
1: Right. And sometimes the intelligent risk and the action taking can be... It doesn't have to be all or nothing, I think, in terms of the risk. He's like, he's like, hey, I noticed this, and so I went ahead and took the liberty of doing that. Shall I order this thing I found, <laughs> or should we book this, as opposed to committing thousands of dollars to something that nobody asked for, you can invest, you know, a little bit of time identifying the thing and just asking for the approval.
2: Yes, and sometimes the the proactive thing that you can do is opening up the conversation. You know, I noticed this, and... I'm thinking that we can do this. So I don't want to ever encourage anyone to take unnecessarily risky, you know, steps in the spirit of being proactive. Sometimes it really is just opening up that conversation, having a proactive conversation.
1: Okay. And, and what's the sixth and final skill?
2: And then the final one is self-evaluation. So this is where you look at how this is all working out for you, as Dr. Phil says, how's it working out for you? And asking yourself, am I staying ahead of things, or are things catching me off guard? And when things catch you off guard, asking, okay, was there something that I missed? Should I have seen this coming? Should I have done something different to prepare for this? And and in all of that, you develop these lessons and this new understanding that then goes right back into your big picture understanding. So it's all this wonderful, beautiful cycle that continues.
1: Well, this is great stuff. And I kind of went a little bit quickly through the six skills, uh, or, or asked you to go through them quickly, because I, I guess sort of want to see them all in action from one through six. And in, in terms of an example, if I could, I might put you on the spot in terms of, okay, this podcast, you know, you did your homework, and you you, you may have already noticed some things that I should do, or you could do, or you might recommend that I have somebody do, <laughs> So if I could, could I put you on the spot? It's okay if we, you know, get it wrong or you misassume, but could you maybe give us a demo from one through six, big picture understanding? Hey, Pete and the how to be awesome at your job podcast. What, uh, what's some proactive stuff one might do.
2: Interesting, Pete, I like this little thought experiment. Okay, well, I think that we're in a really interesting time to think about big picture understanding right? Thinking broadly about everything that's going on, you might want to think about how all of this work from home stuff is potentially going to impact what it means to be awesome at your job. Certainly. So big picture, thinking about that and thinking about how perhaps the needs of your audience are changing. Situational awareness would just be you're continuing to look for immediate feedback from your audience and an interaction with them to find out what's really speaking to them, especially right now in this time. Future focus, continuing to think about where you want your podcast to go for you and for your audience. And the strategic foresight piece would be connecting those dots. Okay, well, where we are right now and giving people what they need right now in this moment, how can we also be setting ourselves up for where we're going in the future and how we're expanding as a brand and our offerings, taking intentional action, doing it, getting going, moving fast on it so that you're um, you know, making moves. And then self-evaluation, always just looking back and thinking about, okay, what worked? What didn't? What can we tweak for next time?
1: Okay, great. Thank you. And, and so then I'd love another example in terms of, that was one piece of listener feedback. One of my listeners said, I love it when you ask, can you give me another example? Yes. <laughs> so here we're, we're doing it. We're taking some intentional action. Perfect.
2: Perfect.
1: So we, we heard about Hurricane Irv and the support you, you offered there. We heard about for me in the podcast and some proactive things to do. Could you tell us a fun story about someone who made the leap from hey, mostly reactive to mostly proactive and 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 saw some great things happen and, and through taking the six steps?
2: I have so many fun stories. I work a lot with support professionals and administrative professionals. As I said, I'm a very proud former executive assistant myself. So, last year, in fact, I worked with an executive assistant. She reached out to me when she had just been promoted to supporting someone in the C suite at a global technology firm. And it was her first time supporting at that level so she really wanted to set herself up for success and and really go in there with a strategic plan for how she was going to stay two steps ahead of this incredibly busy and very powerful woman she was going to be supporting and so we developed together essentially kind of an interview list, some questions, again, you know, that proactive piece being opening a conversation, some questions for her to ask and discuss with her new partner in the first few days of working together. And these were questions like, what's your preferred communication mode? What's your communication style? How do you typically deal with stress? And how can I best support you when you're under stress? These great high-level questions about how they can build this partnership. And so the new assistant had this conversation, and the executive was just floored by this approach and loved it so much that she said, I want you to go and have this same conversation with these other executive leaders that you're also going to be working with in this role and and do this exact same thing with them. And then let's teach the other assistants to do this as well. It's a proactive approach to developing a relationship. You know, you can apply the proactive approach to any aspect of your career, relationships, career management, task management, customer service, everything.
1: I love that so much. And we had Mary Abajay on the show talking about managing up and this being sort of uh, just a super powerful action that any professional can take. And in her experience, fewer than 1% do to say, hey, what are your preferences in these ways? And and in, in so doing, I love it because a lot of people, what would, would I suggest, that they say, oh, know, that's kind of weird. And I was like, it's only weird because you haven't done it. And it's only weird because now you've been working with the person for two years. And you feel like maybe you should have done it earlier. And now, why are we talking about this now? So it's just weird because it's different, but that doesn't mean it's bad. And so in fact, being on the receiving end of that, I can tell you, I just love it, uh, you know, as a manager leader and you're telling with that story that, uh, this, senior executive loved it so much. (laughs) He said, please spread this far and wide. This is fantastic. And then other senior leaders made the time to do that with delight as opposed to, oh, why are we doing this? I'm too busy. It's all positive when you go there.
2: Yes, absolutely. It sets you up for success. And that's what I think is also important when you're framing the conversation is that you're letting them know that this is about designing the partnership that's going to work for both of us, you know, that's going to allow me to be a better support for you. And so if they understand the value of taking that time, they're much more willing to do it.
1: All right. Well, so then tell us if we're trying to get going with our proactive selves and practicing these six skills, are there some top best practices and worst practices we should keep in mind to uh, maximize our progress in building the skills? Absolutely,
2: yes. So I would say the best and easiest thing you can do right now, aside from anything else we've talked about, if you just only do one thing, start asking yourself with everything you do, what's next, what else? what's the next question? What's the next need? And then go ahead and answer that question or provide for that need before it is specifically asked for or requested. So I'll give you a quick example of this because I look for it everywhere I go. And once I give this example, I'm betting you will too. So customer service is a really easy place to see this. A lot of customer service people, unfortunately, they end up being very reactive. They only answer the specific question you asked. (laughs) They are order takers. And when they're more proactive and, and do this answering the next question thing, it's very powerful and you notice it right away. So last year I was in a hotel in Las Vegas And I woke up at five in the morning, called down to the front desk and I said, Hey, do you have a Starbucks in the lobby? And the front desk agent said, yes, we do. And I was getting ready to say great thanks," and hang up the phone and head downstairs in my PJs to get my coffee. And then he stopped and he said, and it doesn't open until six. You know, so he gave me this additional information that I didn't think to ask. It was 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm not thinking about that. I'm just asking if you've got the Starbucks. But he gave me the information that I really needed before I even thought to ask for it myself. And thank goodness, because I didn't want to be walking down there in my PJs for it to be closed. And so when you start to see that and you go, that was really proactive. It's a, it's a super small, teeny tiny little thing But thank goodness, and we can do that for our clients. We can do that for our managers. We can do that for our colleagues. Even if they aren't asking the direct question, even if they aren't saying the direct thing they need, we know it a lot of the times. We have to own our own expertise and say, I know what it is that you aren't thinking to ask. Let me go ahead and give you the information you need, or let me go ahead and and get you that thing that you aren't thinking of that you need we can do that. And all it is, it's that simple shift of starting to think about what else, what next.
1: What's so great about that example is, you're right, anyone can do it. And there's there's situational awareness in terms of, oh, I have a feeling I know what you're driving at, <laughs> is, is that you would like to have caffeine inside of you. And then that's so simple, is, and it doesn't open until six. And I, I guess, boy, this is a continuum. You can go all the way the distance in terms of, however, there's one across the street, which is open right now. And it's like, okay, you know, or you could take it even further in terms of our staff is happy to acquire that for you and and bring it up to your room. What would you prefer? And you can sort of then choose for yourself in terms of, hey, given my availability and my bandwidth and my boundaries and, and what's appropriate, I can sort of draw the best line as opposed to just sort of defaulting to question
2: answered. We are done now. Right. It really puts you in a very powerful place of being of true service to people. This is a skill that is trained at the Disney University. I don't know if you've heard the story that the most common question that Disney cast members at Disneyland hear is what time is the three o'clock parade?
1: Is it where's the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Where is the bathroom? It's probably pretty common, too. But what time is the 3 o'clock parade? They don't really mean that the three o'clock parade is at three o'clock they're frazzled and they're pulled in a million directions and they're really they want to know what's the best place to watch the parade what time will the parade get to me where i'm standing right now you know they've been standing in the hot sun in lines for hours so they're not thinking clearly and disney guest service people are taught to anticipate the true need You know, don't just answer that the three o'clock parade is at three o'clock. Give them what they really need and find that out. You know, inquire, have some proactive conversations with them and anticipate their needs. Let them know. Well, right around here, if you watch from here, it passes by at 315, but I'd go over there by the ice cream shop. Give them what they really need. You know what they need. They don't know. They're frazzled.
1: <laughs> and what was great about that example is that you know your knee-jerk reaction, I'm like, oh, it's three o'clock, you idiot. <laughs> you know, in terms of it's like, why are you bothering me with this? You know, you, you can very much take an indignant, sort of selfish knee-jerk reaction to it. But I think it's also just it feels better from a humanity, happiness, energy experience in terms of, of thinking and operating that way, not so much, how can I get through this interaction as quickly as possible because I have too much to do and I'm exhausted and frazzled to, oh, uh, this person has a, a need and I have an opportunity to delight them. And I, I don't want to seem too, I don't know, uh, Pollyanna or unrealistic, but I, I really did with my first job, it was at Kmart, my first job like with a normal... And delivered newspapers and did law and stuff. But like in terms of like a paycheck, it was at Kmart. They called me Pantry Pete because I worked in the pantry. That's why.
2: Good to have a nickname. Always good. And I
1: remember they said in one of our training videos that we had the power to please which meant like doing substitutions in terms of overall oh, out of the 24 pack of Pepsi, uh, that sale, but you know, we can give them two 12 packs at the 24 pack price. So I just thought that was the coolest thing. One, because, uh, you know, I'm 17 and <laughs> I don't have a lot of authority in a lot of the ways. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just kind of cool. Like, Ooh, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Power. Uh, and two, it was really nifty that it kind of got my, you know, creative service juices flowing and it really was fun in terms of oh how could I delight someone? It's like oh you know what we don't have that, but you know what there's this other brand of thing which is almost really the same thing. It's it's, it's nuts and caramel corn in a bag. <laughs> I, th- I think you'll find that it's just about what you're after. And oh I've never heard of that. Okay, I guess Poppycock, Fiddle Faddle, uh, <laughs> Cracker Jack.
2: Same difference. Pretty close. It's great, though. It brings us back to that big picture understanding, right, because it reminds you of your big picture purpose in your role. Pantry Pete is there to help delight customers and get them what they need. And so you're then given the power to proactively prevent a customer from being dissatisfied. So I love that. I think Disney does the same thing, right? It reminds their employees big picture. We're here to make magic, and these people have paid a ridiculous sum of money to be here. So any opportunity you have to make magic, let's do it. Even in super small ways, you know, answering the three o'clock parade question, you can make magic. So I think companies get it right when they empower their employees to do those kinds of things.
1: Well, Chrissy, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things.
2: I think I'll just add that one of the things I hear frequently from people when they go through my training or they read the book, they come back and they tell me about the moment that it happens, that they finally, their boss or whoever finally says, you read my mind. Because it's such a powerful moment when you're able to proactively anticipate someone's needs and you come off looking like a mind reader and i think that's one of the the coolest things about learning to be proactive is that you start to get that kind of reputation oh i'm i i'm a mind reader i can figure out what you need before you even know you need it and the first time that happens it feels so good and and i'm not suggesting right that it, that i'm really teaching you how to be psychic we never really know what the future holds, but we can always take some proactive steps to set ourselves up for success. So I love that. And if you get that, you know, anyone listening, if you get that moment when somebody tells you, uh, you read my mind and it feels great, let me know about it. I love it.
1: And boy, that's, it's powerful in in so many domains in terms of, you know, that's up with your colleagues as well as now I'm thinking about marketing now in terms of, The term mind reading makes me think of, uh, I took Ramit Sethi's copywriting course and there's some useful stuff. And he talked about learning, trying to understand people's hopes and dreams, fears and pains and barriers and obstacles. And sure enough, once you get some of that, it's like uh, oh hey I'm, I'm making content that's that's quite relevant to you and that is that is really fun when you get those emails like yes that's exactly what i wanted and then even when you're making you know a landing page or a marketing communication or whatever it's just so much more resonant in terms of yes that is what i need you you get me you read my mind and so whether you're you're collaborating you're marketing you're selling you're just being a great partner and friend.
2: (laughs) Yes. Personal life as well. Absolutely. Yes. We can be proactive for one another. We're on the bus and we see somebody, you know, who needs a seat. We can stand up before they have to ask or beg for it. You know, we can be proactive in literally every single aspect of our lives.
1: Beautiful. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote,
2: something you find inspiring? Yes. So, the biggest one that I rely on comes from Nelson Mandela, and he says, let your choices come from your hopes, not your fears. And I hope to live my life like that. I don't want to ever look back and regret that I didn't do something because I was afraid. And I always encourage my coaching clients to, to do the same, you know, aim for what you hope for.
1: And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research?
2: I love the marshmallow study. Oh yes. Where there's uh, kids and they're given the option, you know, if you can not eat this one marshmallow, when I come back in 15 minutes, I'll give you two. And it's all about, you know, the ability to delay gratification and self-manage. And they follow the kids and what we find is that with these skills you you have more success in life you know the kids who were able to not eat the one marshmallow and and they earned the two marshmallows they scored better on their SATs and they were better at stress management so those are really important skills they're learnable skills but they're really great you know requirements for success in life and at work and a favorite book the newest one that's been added to my list is called Work Clean by Dan Charnas, I believe is the last name, and such a a fresh perspective on the topic of organization. He basically talks to and uh, researches with world-renowned chefs and uh, talks about them working in these incredibly busy restaurant kitchens and how they manage the physical environment and create systems to be able to do that. So it's a a really new idea, new way of looking at cleanliness and organization. And he applies it to the corporate world, which is really cool.
1: And how about a favorite tool?
2: I'm going to go old school on you. And I'm going to say, good old paper and pen, the bullet journal method. Ryder Carroll, just... Did a book on this recently, and I'm loving it right now. I use a lot of tech systems, obviously, for just running my business. And sometimes I don't want to look at another screen. I just love having my bullet journal.
1: Okay. And a favorite habit?
2: I'm going to give you probably an unusual one. I am a doodler. And I think that doodling is, I've been doing it since I was a kid. Every piece of paper, literally, that I'm looking at in front of me right now is covered in doodles. It's a very relaxing habit. I know that it helps me to concentrate and listen more, particularly if I'm in a learning environment. So as a trainer, whenever I see somebody doodling, I don't mind it. I know it's a really helpful way to kind of distract one part of the brain so you can concentrate on something else.
1: And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They quote it back to you frequently?
2: Yeah, probably the one um, that I hear repeated most is that the more we manage the expected, the more capacity we have to deal with the unexpected, So it gets back to the idea that, you know, certain things in the workplace are absolutely expected and predictable. And we want to manage those things as much as possible because crazy, unexpected things are going to come up. And when they do, we need to have capacity to deal with them. So go ahead and manage anything that's expected so that you can have that capacity to deal with the unexpected.
1: And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them?
2: I would love it if they would go to eatyourcareer.com, E-A-T, yourcareer.com. And you can check out my blog. You can join me for free training webinars, Q&A sessions, all sorts of great materials there for you.
1: And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: Final call to action is to trust yourself and trust your experience and your expertise and realize that much of the time, You know what to do. You don't need to wait for anyone to give you permission or instruction. You have the figure it out skill. So trust yourself and be proactive and just do it.
1: All right. Chrissy, this has been a treat. I I wish you much luck in all the ways you're proactive.
2: Thank you so much, Pete. It's been great to be here with you.
1: I love Chrissy's Starbucks in the hotel story and just that mindset and question that makes all the difference there in terms of it's not just answering, you know, like deposition style, (laughs) like the minimum that you could possibly answer to kind of wrap up the email, get it off to the next thing and sort of question answered, check the box, but rather get saying, okay, what are they really driving at? What is the thing that they're after? And how could I answer the unasked question? Great stuff from Chrissy. The show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP596. If you haven't already, I recommend you push subscribe. So catch our next guest. It's Alex Carter. She has got some pro tips on asking for more, how it's done, do's and don'ts for negotiating and how you might be able to negotiate a whole lot more you think you can. And just about always. Hope to catch you there. peace.